Warning, the following episode contains spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp and all other movies in the MCU. So if you have not seen that movie yet, please go away because all will be revealed in this episode. And if you're interested in listening to episodes on other superhero movies, you can check out our content on Patreon. We have posted a Deadpool 2 special episode, and we will also be covering other superhero movies if we get enough interest. Hello, I'm Henry. And I'm Trey. And welcome to Marvelous, a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Where we go through the entire MCU, movie by movie, show by show, but not today, because today we are talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. It takes two heroes to make this movie, and it's our second special in a row. It's crazy! And this is the first episode that me and Trey are actually recording together in the same room. So, if it sounds a little bit different than usual, that is why... We actually saw the movie together, too! Indeed! We haven't seen a Marvel movie together in quite a long time. No, we have not. And we also had the third person in our trio, Erin, with us. She was indeed. It was a good time. But, anyways, back to the movie. Trey, what did you think of the movie? I liked it. Though not as much as the first one. <laughs> what about you? I feel about the same. I really liked it. A lot of it was really funny. Some of it felt like they were trying a little bit too hard to match the original one. But the villain was much more compelling than the first one. True. And this movie also had, like, three villains, which was different. I mean, not villains, but antagonists. It had a trifecta of opposing forces, which was cool. Yeah, it was really interesting to watch the push-and-pull dynamic from all these different angles, whether it be the government... Or Hank trying to hide their lab, or Scott Lang and trying to manage his family, or Sonny and these weird, weird evil dudes. And the main villain, Ghost. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> and Ghost and Bill Foster, who, Ghost is kind of evil, this secret assassin from back in the S.H.I.E.L.D. days who's losing her body through quantum issues. <laughs> I like how in the movie they make a joke about them just putting quantum in front of everything, and yeah. This movie's science is real weak. I feel like Ant-Man has the weakest science in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I mean, like, sure, it's all sci-fi, fantasy, superhero stuff. This stuff isn't real. But at least try a little better to fake your science. Like, even their explanation for Pym Particles doesn't make sense. Like, it changing density. Because, like, Hank can carry a tank in his pocket, but it has the same mass. So what? <laughs> I feel like you should clarify a little further what you mean by that. Okay, so what I mean is, in the first movie, they explained it, that what pin particles do is change the distance between particles in a molecule, like electrons and stuff, which makes things get bigger and smaller, which is how his power works. But somehow he can, like, stand on an ant without killing it. Or Hank can put a tank in his pocket or carry a whole building like a suitcase. They just never mention that density or like something about the mass has changed. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense and they could make it make more sense. And in this movie in particular, they just keep saying quantum this, quantum this, quantum this. And that's an explanation for everything, I guess. Yeah, I like how he's so heavy that he falls through the floors, many floors of the building, but then he can ride ants. Yeah. Also, Ghost should be falling through the ground constantly, but whatever. 
Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's just a minor gripe I have with these movies, but I still like them. I'm just pretending that Hank lied about the science and that there's more information, or he just doesn't understand them. Like in the comics. In the comics, Hank doesn't understand it that well. And other people are like, oh, this is how it works. Really? Yeah, apparently it's like some higher force is like, oh, Hank didn't even understand. It's controls like the size and the density and the durability and all of these things. But Hank's supposed to be like the super genius. Yeah, but he's a super genius among humans and humans aren't the most intelligent race. Interesting. Also, as far as the hierarchy of intelligent people on Earth, I don't know who's smarter, if it's Hank Pym or Tony Stark or whatever the Fantastic Four guy is. Well, he doesn't exist yet. Yeah, but I don't know who's the smartest. I guess Bruce Banner should be included in there, too. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the actual movie. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like the most notable thing to start on is that we learn about Ant-Man's status after Captain America broke them out of prison in Civil War. Indeed, and they explain the entire history of his two years being gone, which most of which he spent in his house, on house arrest. I still find it really weird that he was broken out of prison, like the most secure prison ever, and then just apparently went back to the police and was like, I'm just gonna turn myself in and I want house arrest instead of the raft. I think it's kind of understandable, like he could have explained that he was kind of just dragged along for the ride. He wasn't even an Avenger before. He just wanted to help out. And all he cares about in the world is his daughter. And please just let him be near his daughter. And I think it's not too unreasonable. I don't know. They kind of imprison them in like the most crazy maximum prison immediately. Like no matter who they were right away. So it seems weird that now it's like totally fine to just be like, well... I guess if you, since you explained yourself and you weren't really that involved, we'll just put you under house arrest. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I never was too concerned by it. Okay. Well, the other part of this <laughs> is, <laughs> is that apparently they took Ant-Man's involvement in that fight as reason to make Hope and Hank criminals as well just because he was using their tech which was developed before the accords because they didn't also sign the accords yeah which now that you say it like that <laughs> i feel weirder about agreeing that okay let me clarify i originally had no issue with it and i thought it was a really interesting spin on what happened and how hank was just furious with scott about using his technology without asking and how hope is furious that Scott never even asked her to join because at that time they were dating. So I just thought the whole thing was interesting. But the way that you just put it, now I'm just like, oh, yeah, like, it's not like if Yellow Jacket gets out, you blame Hank Pym. Like, other people probably will have this tech. Like, it's out there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not really on board with their criminalization. Oh, why did you ruin this for me? You're welcome. <laughs> it's okay. I still like, I, I still think it's okay. Also... I mean, I do find it interesting that they're, like, estranged from Scott because he just left to fight with Captain America without telling them. Yeah, also he's not allowed to talk with them or else they'll track them down, too. And he'll get put in jail for 20 years. Right, but they're, like, also angry at him about it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting take because I never considered, like, how they would have tried to talk him out of the fight if he had told them. Or if they would have, because I really like that Hope was like, 
yeah, if I was there with you, you wouldn't have got caught. Because she's really competent and knows how to use that suit better than he does. Yeah, I also wonder when the unveiling of the wasp suit happened, because it seemed like Scott didn't know about it, but it happened at the end of the last movie before Civil War. Hmm. That's a good point. I guess he didn't really do any superhero stuff in between Ant-Man 1 and Civil War. But how did he have the suit? Did he keep it at the end? Why wouldn't he have kept it? I don't know. I just didn't think about it before. Right now. Okay. My memory is uh... <laughs> not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but anyways, they are estranged and they take the whole movie getting back to the same place they were in the first one with actually no actual development in their relationship, so okay. Yeah, like it was really interesting that before the movie came out, they talked about how this was going to be like a romance story about like the two of them, like Hope and Scott getting kind of back together. Marvel's first rom-com. Yeah, but... It was just them being mad at each other and then almost immediately getting back to the exact state they were in before. Yep. There wasn't much romance there or anything like that. Not at all. (laughs) So that's not an issue for me. I just don't know why they were advertising it that way. It really doesn't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) And the lack of romance isn't necessarily an issue for me, but the lack of development in their characters is... Because I feel like we didn't actually get much character development from either of them in a meaningful way in this movie. Do you mean overall or just their relationship together? Both. I feel like Hope didn't have a ton. It was just her desperate to reunite with her mother, which as soon as she knew it was possible she was alive, like, that was it. No change. She wanted her mother. She found her mother. That's it. Scott, though... I feel like he kind of bonded a bit more with his daughter. I guess it wasn't that much development, but the fact that he bonded in a way that he saw that his daughter trusted him with literally anything and just wanted him to be a hero if that's what he could do, because why not help people if you could? I thought that was kind of like some interesting development. I don't know. Like, he was willing to kind of sacrifice the most important thing to him because she said that was the right thing to do. So, there's a lot to say about what you just said. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Uh, (laughs) My thoughts are a little jumbled up. (laughs) Um, I'm going to respond to the Scott part first, because that's simpler, I think. I did really enjoy all the scenes with Cassie and Scott. He's literally the most amazing father ever, and she is the best child ever. (laughs) Oh my god, I love Cassie. She's so so freaking adorable. She's amazing. Like, that (laughs) scene when she's like... Come on, like, you're the world's greatest grandma. I, like, just died cracking up. She's so cute and wonderful. I love her. Yeah, she's pretty much the perfect (laughs) daughter. So, (laughs) good job on that front to this movie. Um, (laughs) Coolest, goofiest kid ever. But I wouldn't really consider their relationship character development. I, I don't think they were in a different place in this movie at the end than they were at the beginning. Yeah, I guess I was just trying to force it. (laughs) (laughs) But my response to the hope part of what you said is, I think that's actually what I'm most disappointed about for this film, is I thought Wasp was going to be much more of a starring role and actually, like, more significant. I mean, she's the first female character we've had that's actually in the title card. Yeah. And I didn't feel like this movie really gave her that much to do or gave her that much character in general. She did, like, 
a really good portion of the action, though, which was really cool. But yeah, I agree. Her story yeah. was very simple. And honestly, I feel like Hank was doing a little bit more of it because like he's actually the one who went down to the microverse to get Janet. And I agree. Yeah. But the action scenes with her were cool to see. Super cool. <laughs> and it was nice seeing how capable she was as a hero. Yeah, way more capable than Scott. Though I am kind of curious, does she ever grow? She doesn't in this movie, but does she, like, know how? That was confusing to me, too, because I was wondering if they just didn't put that capability in her suit, because it seemed like every time growing had to happen, Scott had to do it. <clears throat> yeah, like, I understand that it is really hard to do, but and it's especially hard to do at bigger scales, but I figured she'd, like, double in size at some point or something. Yeah, I don't know why. Maybe it's just, like, they decided to give them different powers, so she has the wings and Scott does the growing. I don't know. I guess. I wonder if they're going to keep it that way. Maybe. I don't know. Scott always had an ant with him to fly. That was odd. Like, did he just keep it on his shoulder all the time? And then, like, as soon as he shrunk, he, like, jumped on? I assumed he was just calling any flying ant in the area every time. I, I guess. I don't know if there are that many flying ants. I think they have to bring them with them. It's like some special ant. I don't know. That is what seemed to be happening because he wasn't just carrying all these ants. They were like being called to him. Well, especially towards the end, they had a whole swarm of them like helping them out. So I don't know. Yeah. There were a lot of ants in this movie. There were a lot of ants in the first movie as well. Yes. That is what happens when you are Ant-Man. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like Hank Pym is like the Ant-Man controller of ants. Scott Lang doesn't really control ants all that much. He just rides them. So I didn't expect to see that many ants in this movie, but Hank was in the movie a lot, and he did a lot of ant stuff. Super weird, really. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Just Hank's a very strange character, and whenever, like, another character in the movie questions whether or not he did the right thing in the past, I never know who's actually right. Like, later in the movie, Bill Foster was like, oh, no, you were the horrible person at S.H.I.E.L.D. And I don't know who to believe, Bill or him. I feel like I'm leaning towards Bill. Yeah, I see what you mean, because I definitely think he's much more of a morally complex and morally gray character. Like, or at least I felt that way after this movie. Like, he's not just a good guy. But Yeah. But in the case with Bill, like, he was saying... That was his name was a traitor and did whatever. And I kind of believed that. That's the thing. I don't know who to believe. <laughs> I don't straight up believe him. I didn't really see Bill as that big of an antagonist other than the fact that he hid Ava and Ava was doing shady things. But he was constantly trying to control Ava. And when she was going to go too far, he just said, no, I am not helping you with that. And she didn't. And I felt like that was kind of new for a movie because our antagonist wasn't like purely evil. She was just... Someone in pain and agony would do anything to stop it. Yeah, I liked her as well. Yeah, she was neat. She didn't really get a whole lot either as far as character development, but she was still an interesting antagonist, and I'm really glad she's alive because maybe she'll be part of a team-up in the future. I don't really know what to expect. That's the kind of funny thing with like Ant-Man and Thor, Ragnarok and stuff. And Black Panther also. They're introducing so many other characters besides the heroes that I want to learn more about. Yeah, it's really happening a lot. And it's great and also, like, 
terrible because they yeah. have to share screen time with everyone yeah. else and we don't get to learn about it's, that. It's so frustrating. Like, <laughs> this is the thing that would have been great if the Marvel television shows, like, were actually integrated with the movie. It would be amazing to see, like, oh, there's an entire, like, eight-episode arc of S.H.I.E.L.D. with Ghost in it. Or... We got some backstory about Ghost and Black Widow going on a mission together or something. Like, there's so many things they can do. Yeah, for sure. Did you understand what that chamber was that was surrounding Ghost with the waves and stuff? Magic shenanigans that was keeping her body together. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the tech in this movie was a little weird, like, magic box that was kind of delaying her death, but not. And... Also, like, the whole quantum tunnel was weird with all, like, the dancing triangles for locating Janet Van Dyne. It was just odd. She was a better villain than I expected her to be. I agree. She was way cooler and more interesting. Although I thought some of her fights were a little weird because I felt like they forced limitations upon our heroes to make the fights more fair. Like, in the first fight, when she fought Wasp solo and then both Wasp and Ant-Man, that was a cooler fight than, I think, the one towards the end, when it was just Ghost versus Ant-Man and he was just, like, running the whole time and he couldn't shrink. I felt like they kind of limited her capabilities and Ant-Man's, and I would have liked to see more. It was really interesting because it's one of the only times where our heroes and villains don't have the same powers. Yeah, I agree about the suit being kind of annoying because like him not actually being able to use the suit to do a good fight wasn't the best it would have been nice to see a good fight between them though to be fair there was quite a few fights that i felt like were good with ghost and it was crazy impressive with her powers how both ant-man and the wasp had trouble fighting her even together Yeah, especially that first fight with all of them together. It was really cool, and her powers were really interesting. And it was also cool and, like, really scary and intimidating to see her, like, put her arm straight through Hank Pym's throat. And you don't know if he was going to die or not. Like, whoa, that was intense. Definitely. Especially for an Ant-Man movie, when you expect it to be, like, all happy, joy, funny time. Also, it was just really cool the way she could just, like, disappear and appear and also phase through things and control that. Weirdly enough, Ghost, very fitting name. Yeah, I got it way more with the, when she did that stuff. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm glad that they explained how she got her powers since they introduced her pretty early into the movie and she immediately already has the powers. So I was like, wait, what? How, how is she a thing? And I'm so glad they didn't just skip over it. Yeah, and in the trailers, I honestly did not expect a villain who could phase as their power to be very exciting at all, but it turned out to be extremely well done. (laughs) Yeah, and the effects are really cool. (laughs) Yeah, though I do wonder how the heck she even knew that they had a quantum tunnel in the first place. Yeah, that was really unclear. I think the explanation was that she and Bill Foster had been tracking all the items that they were buying off the black market and had figured out what they were doing. And Bill Foster must have been like, oh, they're trying to go to the quantum realm. I bet they found out that Janet's alive. So you think at this random point in Ava's life when she's struggling with this pain thing that they just decide to start following and spying on Hope and Hank and seeing what they're buying on the black market to figure that out. 
Well, what's been going on has only been happening for the past two years or so. Yeah, so, but also it's been while they were on the run, so I don't even know how they would have found them. It could be possible that since they were not on the run and they also are very knowledgeable about the quantum technology, I don't know, world, they knew that, like, some weird shady stuff was going on with strange quantum devices being sold to the same people and maybe they just put it together. I don't know. Like you said, it's this whole thing is a little unclear. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyways, something I wanted to mention since we mentioned Ant-Man's suit malfunctioning... Although it was a little lame in battle that that happened, it was hilarious in the comedy moments, like the whole scene in the elementary school, where him growing really big in the closet wasn't that funny, but him being stuck as, like, a child-sized person was really funny. Oh my gosh, I know, it was ridiculous. (laughs) It was, especially, like, when he's trying to jump up to get the backpack, and Hope is just watching and laughing, and he's like, come on, please... And then, like, when he jumps back in the van with Hank, he's like, oh, how was school? Do you want, like, a string cheese and a juice box? It was just so funny. Yeah. My only complaint about that is I felt like the effects could have been better. It kind of stood out to me that it was fake. Obviously, it's fake. But it was still hilarious. For sure. (laughs) This movie was pretty funny overall. Especially... Louise. Oh, my God. (laughs) Louise. I knew that they were going to do another story with him. And, oh my god, mixing it in with all the truth serum stuff was absolutely hilarious. How he just couldn't stop telling the stories. I know. It was beautiful. I was honestly kind of sad, though, because our theater was cackling so much that I could not hear what he was saying. Oh no. You'll have to watch it again soon. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so funny. Also, his ridiculous hair when he was in prison was really funny. Whose? Louise's. His hair is hilarious when he was in prison. It was, like, really long and wavy. I honestly don't remember. Oh, my God. It's so great. But also, I just love that when he's telling stories, he says things like he would say them. But then you see the actors <laughs> doing them, too. Like, when you see Paul Rudd and... Uh, I don't remember Hope's actor's name. She was in Lost, and she's great in Lost, too. But, like, when you see them acting out his lines and being super silly, it's so great. They're so funny. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. And Luis also got a chance to be part of the action and drive his own Hot Wheel car. Oh my god. (laughs) That Hot Wheel tin, whatever you want to call it, was awesome. I love how he's like, oh, cool, cars. Then he chooses, like, the purple fire, like, streaking one. It's like, yeah. Yeah. If I were in your shoes, I would have done the same exact thing. Yeah, it was surprisingly cool seeing the cars shrinking and growing and that, like, the car chase scenes with that stuff. I didn't think I would care about that, but it was actually pretty exciting. Yeah, I remember being really hyped about that after seeing the trailer, and I was extra hyped once I actually saw it in action. It was so cool. And also, like, one thing that's really weird about the Ant-Man movies to me is that they take place in San Francisco, and there was also a scene... In this movie in Berkeley, which was weird because we went to Berkeley, so I knew where they were, and it just made me feel really weird about this movie. <laughs> yeah, it was also extra weird because it was like our reunion of our Berkeley pals who all went there, and it, it, this movie showed where we all were. <laughs> yeah, it was weirdly fitting, but a weird. It's weird. I was a little uncomfortable, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes while seeing movies, if I know where they are, it feels a little weird. Yeah, but also cool. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that classroom was actually at Berkeley, though. Do you? I think it was, because I've been in classes with all those things on the walls. I haven't been in that building, if that's a Berkeley building. 
I want to say what it's called, and I am only coming up with Ermin, which is our floor name, which is incorrect. <laughs> yeah, it's not that. <laughs> but, like, also when they went down the winding road in San Francisco, I don't remember what it's called, but I've been there a few times, like, myself when I wanted to see it, then with other people when I was showing them when they were visiting. So the fact that they had a little scene take place there was just really cool, and, like, as soon as Hope mentioned that, like, she had, like, a good path to, like, screw them up, I'm like, I know exactly where they're going. And it was cool. I didn't know that was an actual place in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's real. It's really annoying to drive down. I guess that was the joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it takes a long time. There's always annoying traffic there because everyone wants to go there just, like, as a sightseeing thing. Yeah. Thinking more about Sonny's gang. Sonny, that weird guy, I really don't like saying his name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's not a very sunny person. No. <laughs> he has a cool car, though. A very good car for, like, a black market gangstery kind of guy. I didn't notice. It was, like, all white but cool with, like, golden rims. I'm like, that's fitting. I would never drive a car like that, but I'd like it for you. You deserve it. Sure. <laughs> I don't care about cars. Um, <laughs> I don't really either. I just, I'm like... Oh, yeah, he has a cool car. Cool. <laughs> but I was just thinking, I wonder... Like, I do think it was really cool having all the different forces just at every turn. Like, oh my gosh, we have so many things to worry about. But at the same time, I wonder if it might have been a better film if they'd given Ghost more screen time and complexity and made it less about Sunny. Yeah, that was funny. Like, in the final chasing, like, Hope sees him and she's just like... Wait, you guys are still here? <laughs> and, like, kind of everyone in the movie could be like, wait, they're still involved? I mean, it's very clear that he's still involved because he got that FBI agent to tell Jimmy Woo where all of them were in the forest, and they caught Hope and Hank, and that is why Sonny's still involved, but still, like, why do we need you here? Yeah. Don't we have enough, but whatever. Yeah. It gave us more action, I guess. Yeah, and since you mentioned Jimmy Woo, should we also talk about him? He was funny. <laughs> he was funny. Though it's kind of weird that everyone was speculating about him being a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, because he's a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent in the comics, and then he turned out to just be an FBI agent and had nothing to do with S.H.I.E.L.D. in this movie, so alright. <laughs> I didn't I didn't join in in the speculation before, so I hardly even knew about that. But he was funny. I thought it was good how he had that funny scene with Cassie explaining the Sokovia Accords and why Ant-Man was in house arrest. And it was a funny, quick way to get the movie started. Yeah, it was funny. And he was a pretty likable FBI agent, which almost makes me feel sorry for him that pretty much everything he accomplished in this movie failed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Though he had, like, a bunch of little really funny scenes. Like, after he's amazed by Scott's magic, you see him later trying to learn how to do it. Oh, yeah. And how he's, like, actually super mystified by it. And, like, later on when Scott's, like, trying to distract him, like, by jokingly asking him when he'd see him around. And he's, like, super confused by it. But then after, he's like, wait, do you want to get, like, dinner or something? Like, that was really funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was really great. <laughs> oh, poor Jimmy. <laughs> Maybe one day, bud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also, this movie opened up the path to the microverse, which I honestly thought was going to be a much bigger part of this. Yeah, right? Oh my god, I thought that was going to be a huge part of the movie, and it was going to be like a whole world to explore. And instead it was relegated to like the very end climax. <laughs> yeah, 
And I guess Janet has powers now, but, like, when we first see her, she's, like, dressed up like this ranger who's, like, barely surviving, and it looks like she has a staff or a bow, and she's been fighting off evil villains all the time. And then they never acknowledge it. Yeah, and I really thought we were going to get a lot more character development for Janet, and actually, like, see the dynamics with their family, and with Hope, and just, like, pretty much all around. I think the character stuff in this movie is lacking from what I mentioned before with Scott and Hope, to Janet's character, to, like, everything that I thought we were going to get that we just (laughs) didn't get. (laughs) Yeah. I was really intrigued by the fact that Janet had aged. I was thinking that they were going to keep her the same age because, like, the whole thing is, like, in the microverse, time works differently. But she, like, aged exactly how much she should have aged. Yeah, I agree. That was really weird. I mean, I had a feeling going in that something had to happen like that because they cast an actress who's already that age. Yeah. But seeing it in the movie still, like, when time is supposed to be all wonky in the microverse and it just happened to be exactly the same as real life, it's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of which, their de-aging technology for her and Hank in the movie is fantastic. Yeah. Like, they did it in Ant-Man 1 a little bit and they did it in... Civil War a little bit. And both times it was really good, and this time was also exceptional. And I'm really curious what they're going to do with Captain Marvel since Fury's going to be there, and Coulson. But I don't think they need to de-age him as much as Fury. Yeah, it's going to be strange. Yeah, because it's going to be a whole movie. But now that I think about it, they might not have that big of a role. I don't know, it sounded like they were going to, but maybe not. Anyways, back on track... It was really well done, and I really was expecting there to be a whole ton more microverse, and we'll go more into the after credit scene later, but I thought that was going to be the explanation for why Ant-Man wasn't involved with Infinity War, and it wasn't. Nope. Well, kind of it is, but only for him. Well, we don't know if it is. Sure. (laughs) Because literally, if 50% of people are getting snapped and everyone else got snapped... He could have not gotten snapped either way, or it could have been because he was in the microverse. It's unclear. Yeah, which is another whole confusing thing, because I'm guessing there is some kind of world in the microverse. So did half of them die too? Is it actually a different dimension? What is it? I don't understand. I don't know. And all the things we thought we were going to learn about in this film didn't happen. So maybe the third film, or maybe we'll just never learn about it. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be a whole lot more like Doctor Strange, where, like, they really opened up a new, like, dimension of the universe, and it doesn't really seem like it. Well, also, the actors were saying that this movie would be a game-changer, like, in terms of opening up whole new worlds for the Marvel Universe, so maybe they will go into it in other movies that aren't Ant-Man? I'm not really sure. There's still Ant-Man 3, and I'm betting they're going to go down there again. Yeah, but I guess I just find it strange that they would say that this movie's a game changer when it's like, but you barely showed the microverse at all. (laughs) I agree, 100%. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that's really unclear, and I really wish we got more of, was what is Janet's powers? Like, she channels quantum energy or, like, stabilizes it or something? Sure seems that way, but who knows? (laughs) Yeah, I really wish we got a little bit more of an explanation for that, because especially in the after credit scene, when Scott is going back to the microverse to collect more quantum energy to help heal Ghost, like, Janet was healing Ghost herself. Why did they need more of the energy? Did she run out of her quantum juice? Like, yeah, that was pretty weird. 
Yeah, it... And confusing and nonsensical. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it felt like they just needed a certain situation to happen, and that's how they decided to do it, and I'm not a big fan. Honestly, they could have done what I thought they were doing, which was going into the quantum realm just to get the healing rays in general to help people heal, not just for Ghost. And that would have made more sense to me. Yeah, but I don't think the healing rays help anyone other than Ghost. I don't think it's actual healing, it's just stabilizing for her. Well, they said to go get the healing rays, which made it sound like it was healing magic. <laughs> yeah, it was very unclear. Quantum! <laughs> it does anything! <laughs> uh, one thing that I really wanted to mention, since we didn't really mention it before, was the very first scene with Scott and his daughter, like, kind of mimicking the first Ant-Man movie, like, going on that oh, cardboard yeah. adventure heist, which it was so, so adorable. And it was also such a great way to show us what his life is right now, how he has so much time on his hands because he's stuck at home, but he's doing so much for his daughter because that's all he's devoting his life to, and, like, band camp. Or rock band. (laughs) And magic. God, I love the magic so much. It was so funny. Like, everyone being like, wait, seriously, how did you do that? was so great. Yeah, it was a really cute scene, and I think pretty much everything with his daughter was probably the strongest part of the movie. Yeah. World's greatest grandma. (laughs) Yeah. Especially, like, one scene that was so touching was when Cassie covered for him. And then after they're having a conversation about how she thinks he needs someone to watch his back and how he mentions hope. And she's like, wait, what about me? And it's like so cute and heartbreaking. And I just want to give her a hug. It's so cute. And then when he laughs and she just looks like her heart is broken, it was like, oh no. She's like, I'm serious. I'm like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> also, her catching the ant taking bath was funny. But yeah, that was, was so touching. It's like the most beautiful familial thing in the entire MCU. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of which, also just awkward familial stuff is how awkward his ex-wife's husband is. By always ganging on on like the hugs and stuff. It's real weird. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how he affords his house if he's stuck there all the time. Maybe it's the house he had before? I don't... No, but that's something I wanted to mention before, how that scene, although it was hilarious and adorable, the whole cardboard adventure, it also did such a good job of showing what his life is like now, how he has all this spare time, but also it has Louise and it shows that they're starting this new security company because like, that's what they're great at, like breaking into things. So what company would they be great at making things unbreak in a bowl? It's kind of genius, and he's actually, like, a smart electrical engineer, and although he's a giant goofball, like, he's actually a kind of capable person, and he's using all this time to make himself a good father for Cassie, and make money so he could be a good father. I never connected them breaking into them owning a security company until you just said that. Are you serious? That's, like, the whole point! (laughs) (laughs) Really quickly. That is great. Yeah. We didn't mention the, like, kind of weird, like, Eastern European, Russian guy, whatever, how he just mentioned Baba Yaga, like, when they're talking about Ghost. And he's like, 
what, don't you guys know about Baba Yaga? And everyone's like, what? <laughs> what is this guy saying? And, like, I've vaguely heard of it before, but, oh my god, that scene was just... It just killed me. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Also, really quick, the Indian guy who's like, it's not true serum. And then once he finally has taken the true serum, he's like, it is true serum. <laughs> it was really funny, except I was really happy when he said, there's no such thing as truth serum, because there isn't. But then he said it was. So I was a little bit disappointed in him. Sure. <laughs> I mean, apparently these guys can get it when S.H.I.E.L.D. can't, since the true serum in S.H.I.E.L.D. is supposedly fake. But maybe that was just because they didn't need it. Uh, they might have it. I don't uh, know. They've never used it before. I feel like they would definitely have used it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> they don't have as many resources as they did in Season 1. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, one more thing, we haven't mentioned any of the ants with names, like Ulysses S. Ant and Antonio Banderas. Those were the only two I remember. Ulysses S. Gur Ant. Okay, please. sorry. <laughs> Excuse me. It doesn't sound as good. Uh, also, like, the seagulls really aggressively hunting them down. Yeah, that was sadly funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little weird, though. Yeah. One thing that was disappointing was the fact that they had the giant man in the water stopping the boat scene in the credits. Yeah. And they, like, had him, Scott, and Bill Foster joking about how big he can get in the... Did I say credits? I meant in the trailers. <laughs> um, and it's like, I was expecting that to be, like, some other thing, and there would be some epic giant man scene, and there wasn't. Like, yeah, he stopped the boat, but that was in the trailers, and so I don't count trailer scenes as, like, being super surprising and amazing. I mean, he did do the truck chase, which... He was, like, double-sized, though, not, like... Giant, giant? Giant, giant, yeah. Yeah. Also, he said after the first time he went giant, giant, he was asleep for, like, three days, which also doesn't make sense because of Civil War, because he was awake in the prison. But this time he was fine again? Yeah. Running away in his boxers after he expanded the suit next to a building? <laughs> That that was something that was bothering me while I watched it, because I'm like, you had to sleep for three days last time you did this, but you are seemingly completely fine, and you keep going giant after this, too. So, uh... It was a little weird, and I like was the only, really expecting more. Like, the only explanation I could come up with is that he would have to sleep it out later. That's what <laughs> I was thinking, too. But he wasn't, like, tired or drained or anything, so I don't know. Yeah, or at least as far as we can tell. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess should we talk about the after credit scene? Yes, we should! Yeah, so the first one, like we were saying before, it really just felt like a weird excuse to get Scott on his own in the microverse so that he'd be lost there. And then everyone dying was a big shock. Which, I was really surprised by the whole audience's reaction being shocked only when they saw the dust, like, falling. Because as soon as no one was responding, I was like, oh yeah, they're all gone. <laughs> I wasn't confident. Oh yeah, like, as soon as it happened, I'm like, they're gone. They're dead. <laughs> I think it could have been many things, and, like, I thought it was a possibility, but it makes sense that people didn't react till the dust showed. Yeah. And... It just makes the whole situation of why wasn't Ant-Man involved in Infinity War no longer make any sense. Because if the snap happened, 
during his time going right in, then that means they were around when New York and Europe were invaded by aliens and Wakanda was under attack. Like, they're in the know. Why weren't they, like, a little involved? Yeah, and Infinity War mentions that Scott was on house arrest, but Scott would have been off house arrest by now because it looked like it was at least a week to build that machine or longer, and Infinity War took place in less time than that. Yeah, like Infinity War was about three days long or something like that. So that's just really confusing, and this doesn't really fit in at all. Yeah, like right now the world should be in shock. Like an alien invasion, a second alien invasion came down in the middle of New York. Iron Man, like the leader of the Avengers, has gone missing. Like crazy things are happening. And they're just like hanging out on a roof trying to like get some energy for Ghost. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, it's really sad and I really hope the tie-in would be better than this. Yeah, it's... Really frustrating to me because they made it sound like there was going to be such a better explanation. And clearly, this was just something thrown in as an after credit scene. And this entire movie was written ignoring Infinity War. Yep. Which I can respect because you want the movie to be good and stand on its own. However, I, they could have done such a better job with that after credit scene, I feel like. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's really easy for me to say because I didn't write it, but... It seemed weird. A whole different problem that I have with it, too, is something that a lot of people were mentioning before the movie came out is that, like, a lot of people were saying they can't snap Wasp because this is, like, her debut, and it would be really weird to have her debut as a hero and then snap her away so she's not even involved in the actual team-up or anything after that, which is exactly what they did. And also, the original Wasp, Janet, who they spent the whole movie getting back, (laughs) is snapped, which doesn't really matter because they're all going to come back, but it's just like, okay. Yeah, it was weird. But I did like that Ant-Man and the Wasp will return, and then a question mark slowly appears. That was cool. Was it? That was a little cute. Was it? That was cute. Was it? I remember in the theater, people were like, you can't do this to us! Yeah, but obviously they're coming back, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's not what I was expecting. I was really expecting, like, maybe all of them lost in the microverse or something. So just Scott, for these reasons of just, oh, we're just getting some magic juice for Ghost, felt weird. Especially, why wasn't she there? Yeah, though I do have to (laughs) say that snapping them all was a shocking choice, to say the least. Yeah, for sure. But as soon as Scott went down alone, I'm like, that's gonna happen gonna happen interesting i i i wasn't expecting that i i just didn't think they would kill all of them off when only 50 percent of people are gone but so it, it still surprised me yeah a quick warning for the next minute we talk about some information that has been going around about avengers 4 so if you want to be completely spoiler free i would skip ahead but another minor detail that i wanted to mention in this scene is that janet mentions to scott to beware of falling into a time warp. And that made me wonder if they were going to do something with that in Avengers 4 with time warping. Yeah, and especially with Cassie throughout the film being like, I want to be a hero like you, and I want to be your partner. And some rumors that have been going around, it seems like there's a good chance that an older version of her is going to be involved in Infinity War Part 2. Which will be really interesting, because I can't imagine another actor playing her. True, and I would say more, because I've heard other things about Avengers 4, but 
I told him I don't want to know. <laughs> and somehow Henry has managed to not learn anything. So <laughs> I will not explain how things things are things. I'm trying to go in spoiler free. I didn't even want to know about this. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we should talk about the other after credit scene, or did you have more to say about this one? I don't. The second end credit scene was really disappointing, to be honest. It was interesting that they, like, showed a world in chaos. Like, they showed, like, the emergency broadcast message on the screen, and then they just scrolled to an ant playing the drums. So it's like, is this supposed to be scary? Is this supposed to be funny? Like, it was just a little nothing. Yep, it was absolutely nothing. It would have been <laughs> kind of cool if it was a little bit more like Infinity War, where... We saw, like, the beginning of devastation. Like, cars are crashing, helicopters are falling straight out of the air, people are dying, people are scared. Like, I guess that's not really fitting for this movie, because it is a comedy, and, like, sure, it's part of the MCU, but it's possible people have seen this movie without having seen Infinity War. But it was just underwhelming. And I wish they did something a little different, like maybe cutting the Scott seeing something strange in the microverse? I don't know. Honestly, they could have done anything that would have been better than this. Like, even if it was a different comedy moment with someone else in the cast or whatever, it would have been better than this ant playing the drums. <laughs> it could have been funny if it was, like, Louise, like, in their office being like, hey, guys, like, I didn't say you could take a break. Yeah. It'd be really sad, but maybe if they cut it away fast enough, it could be funny. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so thoughts overall? I liked it. I I really do wish it was a bit better, but we've just gotten off a streak of crazy good movies. Like, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, and Infinity War. Some of the best Marvel movies ever. Black Panther, if you've listened to our other podcast on that, it was kind of average for me. Not super impressed. So this one, it was good, but like... It just can't compare to those. So it left me feeling a little disappointed, but, like, only because it wasn't as big and crazy as all these other ones. And after all these really big and crazy movies, I kind of feel like we needed the break. That's funny because I'm disappointed in it in an entirely different way. <laughs> <laughs> all we do is talk about how movies disappoint us. <laughs> I swear I like this movie. It's awesome. <laughs> I liked it, too. I just... Like, I understand Ant-Man being the small... It's the movie of the small guy. And <laughs> it's more about the small moments and the comedy and the characters and whatnot. So the reason why I'm disappointed is because we didn't get a lot of that development that we wanted with the characters and the smaller stuff and the things that are important for Ant-Man are the relationships, and in addition to the microverse that we were hoping they would explore more. Yeah, especially because in a sequel, you really expect them to dive into the characters and their psyche and what they're going through a lot more and see them develop. Because the first movie is their origin. Who are they? How do they get their powers? Let's go on a kind of fun adventure. And the supervillain that they're fighting against is almost certainly going to have the exact same powers as them. In the sequel, you expect to be like, all right, it's a little darker, maybe. Like, this character's been through some rougher stuff. They're kind of trying to get through, like, some hardships. Or now that they're a hero, it's, like, it's changed their life. Like, you where are they want, now? You want some more depth. Whereas this one was just another fun action film that didn't really 
do anything else. Yeah, and like you were saying before, like, all the different parties interacting was, like, really cool and interesting, and it was fun, and it was always engaging. But, like you also said before, it just didn't leave that much room for our main two protagonists. Or any of the others, like Janet. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, we didn't mention the scene of Janet taking over Scott's body. We did not. Oh my god, that was really funny, but weird. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I was really surprised by how chill Hank was about it. I know. Like, Hank, like, was such... A jerk to Scott the whole movie and, like, so uncomfortable around him. Also, him being really funny about him and Hope dating was great, too. But, yeah, he was weirdly okay with that. Yeah, he's like, oh, I don't care if you're in Scott's body, let's hold hands. I kind of feel like it's because, like, they've experienced things like this before. He's like, Janet, this is totally a thing she would have done. Somehow in the quantum realm put an antenna in his brain, like... And that somehow controls him? Sure, who cares? Science mumbo-jumbo doesn't make any sense. But the fact that he just went along with it so fast was funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think they should have kissed. Oh, that would have been beautiful. <laughs> he did kiss Hope on the forehead, though, and I think call her Jelly Bean. It was beautiful. Sure, so beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So... I guess that's the end of our episode. Yep. So, if you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at MarvelousMCU. You can find us on Instagram at MarvelousMCUPodcast. Or you can send us an email at MarvelousMCUPodcast at gmail.com. And wherever you listen to this podcast, whether it be iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, whatever, please like, rate, review, submit a comment, share it with a friend... Anything you can do to help share and promote this podcast is a huge help to us. And if you haven't listened to our thoughts on Deadpool 2 yet, we do have a patron-exclusive podcast on Patreon, and you can access that for as little as a dollar, though however much you donate will be appreciated. Indeed. And for our future specials on Patreon, we'll be covering superheroes from all around the world except for the MCU. So if you want to listen to our special on Deadpool 2 or anything else, please follow us on Patreon. You can let us know if you'd like us to cover Spider-Man or X-Men next. And we will listen to you if you are our patron. Indeed. So thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in next time for our episode on Agent Carter, Season 1, Episodes 5 through 8.